Clarity Combos for Wedding Pros podcast. I'm your host, Aislinn, and I am so excited for today's episode because we have a guest speaker. And I am just also just so excited to chat with her today about some really cool topics. But before we get into our guest speaking episode, I want to celebrate some of my SAP clients. One of my clients just told me this past week that since the beginning of this year, she has more than doubled her wedding pricing, which to me is just so, so incredible. And not only that, she's also celebrating a five-figure month in business. I'm so proud of every single one of my clients. I'm so proud of this particular client and just celebrating her so, so big. And if you want to learn more about SAP, you can visit the show notes below. We are currently enrolling. It's an incredible space to be, and I love Love the kind of conversations that we get to have in there. Speaking of amazing conversations, I am so excited to introduce our guest today, Jordan. So Jordan is the Radical Joy Coach. She is the creator of Radical Joy Collab, and through her coaching, she helps bleeding hearts, libertary and visionary changemakers cosplaying as martyrs build rest so that they can bring their radical visions to life. She's been featured in places like New York Magazine, Yahoo, Oprah Magazine, and Martha Stewart Living. For more from Jordan and to learn more about rest coaching with an equity lens, you're going to be able to follow her on social at The Jordan Maney. Jordan, hello and welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, that was a gorgeous introduction. I felt like me? Really? Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so grateful that you said yes to this because every single time you and I have a conversation, I walk away just feeling like this lightness on my chest and this lightness, like just in my energy. And I'm, I'm grateful that we get to have this conversation in a public space where other people can experience that. Absolutely. I feel the same. I always feel like, I know when a person is like, good to have in my circle when I come from the conversation feeling rested. And I always do that with you. So I just, I'm so excited. You know, it's funny because like, not only do my clients say the same thing, they're like, wow, I feel like I just went to therapy, but in a good way. (laughs) But (laughs) my friends and, and, and like close, like family members say the same thing. They're like, wow, I just feel so much better after talking to you. And I'm like, I love that that gets to be part of my legacy is that Mm. I made people feel rested in this life. That's such a gift. And you don't, you don't really know it till you hear it from other people, but it's such a gift to be able to provide that space for other people to still themselves, to get present, to get quiet, to just really be there with you. And I just, I love you for it. It's so great. (laughs) I am so excited for our conversation today because I think that a lot of people have preconceived notions of what they think rest is. And I think that this conversation is going to be so fruitful for anyone who hasn't thought about it in the way that you and I think about it. So I think that's a beautiful place to start because you are a rest coach. I want to dig deeper into what does rest mean to you? Okay, so this is a definition that I give to everyone, every single place that I go, anytime that I get on a stage, I'm giving people this definition. I work it in some way because I want to cement this in your mind. So when you're a client, you come to me, the first thing you learn is rest is how you nurture or eat, right? E-A-T. It is the energy, attention, and time that you return to yourself. 
And it's critical, the word return, because we often think like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do all these other things first and then whatever I have left over. No, 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 no. What you are intentionally putting into yourself, no matter what demands you have, that is the energy, attention, and time that you return to yourself. And I think it's just such a critical way to reframe what rest is away from just sleeping. Yeah, you and I had a really beautiful conversation on Instagram Live a couple months ago. Um, You had me on your page and we talked about rest. And the definition I gave was really similar to yours. And I feel like they almost go hand in hand. Because for me, what rest means is safety within our bodies and presencing within our bodies. And like my body can tell me like it's time to rest. But if my mind is not on board, it's not actually going to be refreshing. So it's more than just the physical act of sleeping or the physical act of watching Netflix. Like like that's not the only definition of rest because if your brain is not on board with it, it's never going to feel rejuvenating. So I love that part where you said that return to you. So I, I would love to dig deeper into that. Absolutely. I so appreciate that you said that. So there's like a, a restfulness matrix, if you will. So oftentimes the type of rest that people and easiest rest to get is decompressive, right? It's scrolling on your phone. It's just watching Netflix, just kind of vibing, if you will. But that doesn't require your brain to be like fully present, right? You're just kind of like washing the day off of you. And that's fine. We all need it, right? But what we want to do to really measure if our rest is restful is, does it fill me up, right? Does it make me feel restored, rejuvenated, re-energized? Is it generative? Is it giving me something? And so I definitely think when it comes to kind of reframing rest away from just this physical thing and Dr. Sondra Dalton-Smith was a researcher outlined seven kinds of rest, which still blows my mind to say that out loud. Um, When we reframe rest away from just this physical thing that we do, it's so important to get really specific and personalized for you, right? Um, Getting still, getting present. Maybe that's crafting. Maybe that's time with a loved one. Maybe that's doing nothing at all. But if you can be still and present and also allowing yourself to be filled up and restored by something, that's really going to be rest that is actually restful for you. Yeah, recently I have been sitting in my bedroom, which faces the mountains, and uh, like at nighttime, right around the sunset, I like I'll go put my phone in a different room, and I will sit in front of my window on the ground like a child, (laughs) and I'll just watch the sunset. And like sometimes my husband will join me, sometimes my dogs will join me, and like there's, you know, I don't have to pay to do that. It's not something that I like actively have to like go out and seek there's no like barriers to entry around like doing that activity but I find it so restorative and so peaceful that it's one of those things that like I try to prioritize because I know after I've sat there and I've just watched the sunset and I've watched the clouds like go over the mountains and just like sat there and like stared at nature for a few minutes I'm just like so much more at peace and it's it's cool because there's this um this concept of awe like A-W-E, there's this concept of awe and like how we can like create more awe in our life. Like it will feel um, so much more fulfilling. So if you can like 
Put yourself in front of the ocean. Put yourself in front of a mountain. Put yourself in front of a beautiful sunset. Life gets like almost like more meaningful when we can do that. And I think because of rest, I think because it's so restorative to be able to see something that like kind of inspires that uh, that sense of awe. That is a perfect example. What you outline is a perfect example of what Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith calls creative rest. And a lot of times creatives think that creative rest is doing something creative, but also just being in the presence of something. What's more creative than a mountain, than nature, than the ocean, you know? Um, I just really love what you said about that concept of awe and really just, I think what it boils down to is allowing in your day, in your life, moments to pause. Moments to pause, you know? Absolutely. And like, I get up before the sun rises. So I see the sunrise most mornings as well. And like, there's something really magical about driving home. Like, you know, I go to the gym in the morning. So driving home from the gym in the morning and just watching the sunrise and just being grateful for another day. And I don't do it in like a really cheesy way. I just sit like, you know, I'm like driving my little car, like back to the house. And I'm like, man, this is really beautiful. And like having those like moments of rest, like I think, a lot of people think like, oh, rest is like a big vacation to Europe, or it's going to be like that styled shoot that I booked in Paris. And then I'm going to spend like an extra couple days in Europe or whatever. It's like a lot of people think that's what's going to like reset their creativity. And in actuality, it's those like micro moments that we can put inside of our day that are really going to shift the way that we engage with our lives and shift the type of creativity that we have. Absolutely. I I take a monthly sabbatical in July, mainly because not much is happening in July, if we're being honest. Most of us are out and about. It's summertime. We're trying to get outside. Um, I take a monthly sabbatical in July. And so many people always inquire about, like, how can I take a big break? I need a big break. Oh, my God, I need a big break. And my first question is always, like, well, what are your small breaks look like? What are your micro breaks look like? And usually they get stumped at that because it's like, no, 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 no. What I need is a huge six-month break. Okay, can we start getting you in the practice of just taking regular 5, 10, 15-minute breaks in your day? And sometimes people kind of just get frustrated or flustered at that, but... You're right. There's just something about being able to have that time, even if it's you're you're driving and you're seeing the sunset or you have a short conversation with a friend or you're just taking time to be in your body and stretch, breathe. There's something so sustaining, so sustaining about those micro breaks. That's just really, really imperative. And I think the more we make rest this condition of I will rest when that's what those big, when people make those kind of pronouncements, like I need a big break. It feels like they're making their rest conditional on something like they have to earn it. And you don't, you should learn rest, not earn rest. You don't have to earn rest. Um, But I definitely think that there's something about getting into the habit of the micro so that if you eventually get to a place where, yeah, I can either afford or want to, or prioritize taking a bigger break, go ahead and do that. But 
with what you have right now, with where you are right now, how can we really get you into the practice of pausing on a smaller level? Yeah, I see a lot of wedding professionals who are like, they're in the middle of busy season and they're like, well, I'll rest after busy season. And my, my like advice to those people, like who are in that like space of like making rest contingent on, oh, I'll do that later. It is so much harder to give from an empty cup than it is to give from a full cup. And if you focus on these like micro moments of gratitude, these micro moments of presencing yourself, these micro moments of rest, like within your like day to day, you're not going to feel like you need a break from your life. And that's the biggest thing that like, it, it breaks my heart when people feel like they need a break from their life, they're feeling burnt out. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't have to be that way. And I think there's so many there's so many conversations we could have about rest and nervous system regulation and also like self-talk. And like, I think all three of those have like their space, like within this conversation. And I think that with a lot of wedding professionals, they make that like contingent, like I'll be happy when, when I'm booking 10 K weddings, that's when I'll be happy. Or, you know, I'll take a break after like I'm traveling for the next nine weeks or whatever it is. And it's like, there is a different way to live and there's a different way to structure your business and optimize your business. And in fact, like I am happier, healthier and wealthier when I prioritize rest. That's so critical. And I really hope that y'all heard that. (laughs) I really hope that you heard that. Uh, Having been a wedding planner, I, there's like a burnout cycle with wedding professionals where just like you said, I'll rest once, you know, busy season is is over with. And then you get to busy season and you're not really actually resting. You're kind of just recovering from not giving your body and your mind and your social life what it needed for about six months. <laughs> and then you're like, okay. And then the season starts up again and you you do this thing where you just like shut down at least from my experience, you're just going to shut down what you need. You're so in motion in providing other people, ironically, these moments to pause, these joyful moments to pause and celebrate, that you're forgetting to pause and and rest, pause and celebrate, pause and be yourself. Um, so I totally understand that psych, that seasonal cyclical thing as a wedding professional where you just... <laughs> it's it's laughable now because of what you said it really is a matter of shifting your perspective getting more rest it's not something that you have to do that's crazy outside of yourself but getting more rest being more present creating more safety in your body um doing those types of things and giving yourself that micro pause that micro break so that when you do get to the end of your busy season If you want to enjoy a long vacation somewhere, go off, but you don't feel like, oh, everything is conditional on me booking a certain client, me booking at a certain rate. You need rest now. So do it. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think this like segues really beautiful into a conversation around capacity and labor. So I want to talk about actually being cognizant of everything you have on your plate and then how to identify what your capacity is. Excellent question. So there is an exercise I like to do whenever I do like keynotes or workshops that I think 
highlights capacity in a much better way. And then I'm going to give you a definition. So I want you, if you're listening and you can, not if you're driving, but if you're somewhere like safe, I want you to close your eyes and imagine a gorgeous, gorgeous garden full of all types of plants, flowers, vines, just overflowing and and beautiful, right? Each one of those plants requires a certain amount of water to nurture it, right? Now, with that image in mind of that gorgeous garden, I want you to see each of these gorgeous plants as a demand that you have in your life, right? This could be um, a child, a pet, a partner, your business, your home, um, your friendships, all of the demands that you have in your life, right? Think of them as a plant. Now, to illuminate your capacity, usually I have a clear water bottle with me, but imagine if you have a water bottle, like a 40 ounce water bottle, right? That is your capacity. 40 ounces of water. How well are you able to nurture those demands with 40 ounces of water? Right? It won't be green. I'll leave it at that. It won't be a green garden. So your capacity is really your ability to nurture the demands that you have in your life. And so you want to really begin to think about it. You said earlier, talking about filling your cup. If you're running around right now, frustrated, tired, um, just not in a place where you're giving yourself time to pause, time to reflect, time to uh, re-energize, your capacity is probably not even a 40-ounce water bottle. It's probably like an eight-ounce cup of water. Look at the demands that you have in your life. Look at the labor that is required to nurture those plants that you have in your life. And think about what is the capacity required to really nurture, not just keep the plant alive, to really nurture the demands that you have in your life. And I think when it comes to capacity and labor and that exercise, what I hope it illuminates for people is maybe there are some demands that we pass on or pass off to somebody. Maybe there are some demands we gracefully let go. Maybe there's a restructuring that happens in our garden, but taking the focus on what is the capacity required to nurture the life I want to live. So like you said, I don't feel like I need to take a break from this. Yeah. You know, it's really, really critical. It's so interesting because like as you were like going through that like almost like meditative vision, like I was like thinking like, oh, I have like a really big bucket. Like, I mean, it's not 40 ounces. Like I probably have like 200 ounces. Like that's like what came to mind for me. But I was thinking about it. I was like, there are different seasons in my life where all I had was like a two ounce cup and I had an entire garden that was expecting me to water it. But when I think about like, how did I get such um, a large bucket of capacity? Like, how did I get from having like two ounce cup to like a, you know, 200 ounce, like, like a bucket? Like, how did I get from there to there? It really was those like presencing moments. It was the filling my cup first. Like, I'll give you guys an example. I go to the gym at 530 in the morning so that I don't have to talk to another human for the first two hours that I'm awake. Because sometimes 
I like talking to other people, but most of the time I really <laughs> like to have, I really like to have like space for my thoughts to like expand themselves before I ever have input from anyone else. And that's how I spend most of my mornings. I don't, you know, not in the gym for two hours, but I am trying to not talk to other people for two hours. So I'll journal, I'll go on a walk with my husband and our dogs. Um, you know, I'll go to the gym, I'll like make breakfast, I'll listen to a podcast, but I'm not giving that early in the morning. I'm trying to fill my cup that early in the morning. And because of that, I'm able to give so much more to my clients because I'm not waking up, rolling out of bed, getting on Voxer immediately. It's two hours before I ever have to have a conversation with anyone. I love that so much. And I just, I really have to highlight what you said. I'm not giving first thing in the morning. And I think for, you know, a lot of our clients, especially our clients that are parents, it's like you wake up and you're just in that flow. It is so critically important. I know that there's so many books on like how to build a perfect morning routine, building one that works for you so that you're not giving first thing in the morning. You're giving to yourself first thing in the morning. You are filling that bucket up, that cup, that reservoir, whatever that vessel looks like, but you're filling that first so that when you get to a place where, you know, you're with your clients and you need to give, or you're with family you need to give, you can, knowing that there's still, um, there's still something in the tank. So you don't feel absolutely depleted at the end of the day. I think that's, that's really, really, really critical. And I love that you have a 200 ounce capacity. I love hearing that. Yeah. Well, it was built over time. And I think one of the the big ways that I was able to get more capacity was kind of pushing my edges of what my capacity was and not in a self-judgmental way in a, okay, if I want to, you know, have a mastermind and also a membership and also a signature program, that's more people than just doing one-on-one. So I need to be careful with my boundaries. I need to be careful with the proximity that people have to me. And then I also need to look at where else in my life do people have proximity to me that they're not giving, they're taking. And over the past like two years or so, like I've had some very big restructuring uh, within my personal life around who's allowed to be in my energy and who's allowed to be in my energy regularly versus they're on a schedule. That's huge. I think once you figure out you know, going back to the garden, once you figure out, okay, what is the capacity required? Also, what is the capacity that I want to give, that I want to have, right? Uh, Once you figure that out, the work is really in the details of who is around you, what is around you, and how you are spending your time. And I think that's one of the, the the sticking points that I've seen with clients that come to me of like, okay, yes, I have full awareness that I want to rest more. Yes, I, I know that I want to get into these pauses and these breaks, but how do I make that, how do I turn that into something tangible in my life and in my business? And I think that's critical, that restructuring of your schedule, that restructuring of your boundaries, critical, critical, critical. Um so that you can give from a place of filled capacity versus empty. 
Yeah. And like, just to give you guys like a a really good example of like a practical tip from this. So I don't answer phone calls. If somebody calls me, I let them leave a voicemail and then I either call them back or I text them back because I want to be fully present in the moment with whoever is calling me. And if they call me and I don't know that they're going to be calling me, then it I don't get to give my full amount of like presence that I want to give to them or they are taking me out of focus work or work that I'm doing elsewhere and it's going to take away my capacity. So that was one of the things we started doing, even with clients when we were still wedding photographers, they had to schedule appointment calls with us. They couldn't just call us. I would, they, they knew that I would not answer the phone. Like I even got a, a phone call this morning from like one of my best friends. And I was like, I'm in the middle of something. I can't, I can't answer this phone call right now. So I texted her and I was like, Hey, I can call you back later. Is everything okay? Uh, but then the other thing about this too, is just like making sure that like when you are taking calls or you are, you know, taking meetings or whatever, just asking yourself the question of like, is this life giving to me? Or am I doing this out of some kind of obligation? Because when we're thinking about rest and we're thinking about capacity and we're thinking about living these lives where we have more space and we have more rest in our life, we really have to think about like energetically who like we're surrounding ourselves with and who we are allowing in our close proximity energy. That's major. I, I wrote down the word margin and I want to get there, but what you said about taking calls, I just, that could be a whole podcast episode. I really don't, I don't feel like I have that problem as much because of boundaries that I put in place in my new business and coaching. I think it's just a little bit different. Uh, but when I was a wedding planner, I would get such flack at the beginning for like not answering my phone in the middle of the day at two o'clock in the morning and just ridiculousness. But that was one of the first like work boundaries I set was getting a separate business phone number and putting hours on that. Like you can call me between these hours, but do not expect to hear from me otherwise, or you have to schedule your call with me. And I think a lot of times people think of schedules as these very rigid, restrictive things. Um, My Venus is in Virgo (laughs) and so is my Mercury. So I love the schedule. Um, it's these really rigid, restrictive things, but one of the things you mentioned your best friend, the past three years, my best friend from like middle school, we started scheduling our calls and it has become such a point of joy for both of us because instead of it being like, oh God, us apologizing to each other for like, oh God, I'm sorry. I, I know I was supposed to call you at this time or, or whatever. We know that like we have two pockets of time in the week. Mondays and Wednesdays, where we're going to catch up with each other. And just knowing that you have that safe, secure, taken care of, creates so much ease and breathing room. And I I just hope that for all those listening, like putting things into your schedule, it's just not a restrictive thing. It gives you so much more freedom Um, and and margin and space. I just think that's so another really critical shift when it comes to reframing your rest and really putting it into practice. Make sure that you're you're looking at that schedule and your capacity and not just in a day to day, like season to season as well. Yeah, it's so funny that you said that because uh, my best friend and I, we also schedule friendship calls. 
Um, so like we'll text each other and be like, Hey, do you want to do a friend call next week? And it'll be what I love so much about it. She has a baby. And so like, you know, her time is, is very limited and it's also very like kind of sporadic. So I'm a little bit flexible with like, oh, I can talk to you between these times, text me whenever you have like childcare or whatever it is. But because we do it this way, instead of me just calling her on a random Tuesday and she's got a kid and she's like in the middle of something, we have these like set times where we can be so incredibly intentional with our conversations. And I feel like I actually get to hear what's going on in her life instead of these like frantic phone calls where I'm like, you know, driving to like Safeway and she's in the middle of like changing a kid, like all the things that like happen on a daily basis. Like I feel like I get to be a better friend because I'm intentional with that particular boundary and kind of like tying this back into rest. These are the micro shifts and the micro changes that you can make that are going to expand your capacity, but also expand how intentional you are with those around you. And when I think about luxury wedding vendors and I think about clients who are going to pay like a lot more money than like the middle market, they want vendors who are intentional They want people with a process. They want people who have work-life balance. So um, when I'm talking to my clients, and especially if they're trying to raise their prices, this is one of those things that we talk about is capacity. I think a lot of wedding professionals get kind of caught up in like, what my capacity was in the past is going to be what my capacity is in the future. And that is the biggest lie you can tell yourself. That's huge. Who you were, and especially in terms of the pandemic, who you were in 2019, what your capacity in 2019 was. I see so many people, clients come to me chasing the ghost of that capacity of like, man, 2018, 2019, I was just, I, I could do this. I could do that. Now I just have, I struggle so much to do this. And it, it kind of goes back to capacity and labor, right? Where are you, where are you putting in effort? Where are you putting in labor and work in ways that might even be invisible to you, you know, it's so important to get clear on that so that you can be more intentional. And I, I definitely think like anytime that you as a business owner have looked for maybe like a contractor, maybe you need a bookkeeper, an accountant, virtual CFO, whatever. If you know, this person is like, has 250 clients and they can't see you for too long. Do you feel do you feel good about that? Do you feel like, yay, I want to give this person my money? No, no. You're like, I want someone who can give me a little bit more time, who feels like they're not frantic. They're not in frenzy. They're not like rushing you or anything like that. You want peace. And I think that's a, that for me, when you move into price points, maybe that make you feel uncomfortable at first or make you feel like, oh my God, who am I? Bring up all types of things, right? It's so important to think about when your needs are taken care of, you create safety, like you said, in your body, in your business, in your home. And when you're operating from a place of my needs are covered, I feel safe. You're creating rest in your relationships with your clients you're creating rest in your business. You're creating rest and space and intentionality for yourself. So I just wanted to add that little bit of just like, it all flows together. I love that so much. And I, I, you know, when I was a wedding photographer, I had so many people 
hire me because of my energy, not the words they use generally, but like I had so many parents on the wedding day, just be like, wow, you were so calm and so grounded the entire day. Like I just felt so like comfortable around you the entire day. Like I would hear that so often and I hear it really often inside of my coaching spaces as well, that I just have this very like calm, grounded, confident energy. And that comes from rest. That comes from prioritizing filling up my cup first. And it comes from prioritizing making sure that I am giving myself space. Like, you know, like we were talking about schedules a little bit. I recently rearranged my schedule. So I do A-B scheduling. It's something I teach my clients as well. So there are certain weeks that I am recording trainings. I'm recording podcasts. I don't have a lot of one-on-one calls, but I am like still on camera. And then there's other weeks where I am mostly doing one-on-one calls and I'm not really like, I'm not really creating behind the scenes of my business. I'm creating like you know, front of the counter kind of stuff. Like I'm like, you know, on actual calls with clients and you can do this as a wedding professional. You can have AB scheduling where you take on consultations one week and then you take on photo shoots the next week if you're a photographer. Um, And I think that there's almost like this sense of like, oh, like it's like lack scarcity, like desperation of like, well, if I don't give them, you know, an hour of my time right now, like, you know, in the next like three hours, if I don't book this consultation call, then everything is going to like blow up and like my life is over. And when you prioritize rest and you prioritize intentionality in your process, you're going to find yourself so much more calm and your clients are going to love that you have a process. And if they don't love that you have a process, they might not be your ideal clients. That's something that AB, the way that it was taught to me was the maker manager schedule, especially when you're like small team solopreneur, you need, you're wearing so many hats and you actually need the time to be able to wear those hats well, versus just kind of reacting to things. And I think a lot of times when people first get in their business, especially if it's a creative business, they might've got, I know for me, I loved planning. I loved event planning. And so I was like, just thinking about the event itself, but not all the other things required to run your business, right? So I was re- just reacting. The first couple of years, I was just reacting in my business. And when you make that quantum leap <laughs> into luxury or into a certain price point, right? Um, it's so important for you to be able to prioritize your energy. That is a finite resource. Yeah. And everyone has a different energy as well. Like just because I was calm, cool, collected, confident doesn't mean that I wasn't like also like, you know, energetic on a wedding day. I could be both, but like everyone is going to have a different level of energy that they bring to a wedding day. Everybody. And it's so, especially for the wedding planners listening, one of the things that would, I would put a buffer of time after every wedding, about like two or three days. Because you're not just, it's not just the um, physical energy of running the day, right? Taking care of your vendors, making sure the vendor team knows that you're not the planner who's going to tell them what to do, but give them the space to do what they got hired to do well. Um, You're also kind of this emotional center. If your wedding planner or anybody on the vendor team looks frantic, angry, uh, unsettled, anything like that, 
people start like, wait, is something happening? Is something going on? <laughs> is something bad happening? So it takes a lot of emotional energy as well to be in that space. And it's so important to build in those schedules so that, yes, if you're making content, yes, if you're making, if you're doing a podcast, if you're doing training, if you're doing email marketing, all the different hats that you wear in your business, right? It's so important to source those with your capacity and just recognize it as this agile, living, breathing dynamic and not just, you know, this week I'll have this and next week I'm going to plan for this. You really don't know till you get there. And it's best to just give yourself the space to adjust as needed. So I, I just, I just think it's just one of those things where like, you know, you have to guard that energy. And I personally love the AB week or the maker manager schedule just because it helps so much when it comes to getting things done. Um, if you have goals for maybe I want to do some mixed media in my business, or maybe I want to focus on more content in this season or whatever it is, being able to just source that properly by looking at your schedule and being like, okay, I had every week, if I did coaching schedule, uh, co coaching calls, I should say, every single week that would kill me because <laughs> it's so much energy. It's so much giving and pouring into and being present and it requires so much at the top of the day and the bottom of the day to kind of recover from that. And so I love, I love having an AV week where I know the week after not as much is going to be required of me as an introvert. Um, I'm not going to be one-on-one -on -one with people. Maybe I'm on Voxer with some clients, um, but I can do the little, you know, fun work of building a spreadsheet or whatever, whatever I'm doing on that off week. But the week that I'm with my clients, I am with my clients. And I just think that's all of these options of maybe it's an AV week or maybe we're figuring out something else in your schedule, but all of these options, you're really demonstrating to other business owners, particularly creative business owners, that there's no one way to be in business. And I think the more that we can demonstrate and be really vocal about the changes that we're making and the intentions that we're setting in our business, the more we're kind of setting people free to build something that's actually sustainable for them versus kind of like, doing that comparative thing of like, so-and-so is doing this. I guess I got to do it too. What works for you? What will help expand your capacity? What will help protect your capacity? Those are things that I think about when it comes to building a schedule. Yeah. I love that you were talking about sustainability because to me, sustainability is not just like profit. It's also going to be sustainability in like your energy. It's sustainability in like, like, because like, I, I think about this during the pandemic, we had several weddings that we were only supposed to be working with these clients for three months. And so we had a certain level of intensity that we were giving to these clients for three months and then they rescheduled. So we were with them for like 18 months and they mm -hmm. expected the same level of intensity as a three month, like time period with them for 18 months. And I want to think about that. And I'm like, that's not sustainable. So mm -hmm. we have to be thinking about like, okay, what I'm doing right now in the middle of busy season, probably not sustainable for a whole year. So this time next year, what do I need to put into place so that 
busy season doesn't feel like quote unquote busy season. It just feels like, okay, I have weddings this weekend. Absolutely. I, ah, you just touched on so many important things. Like I don't, I wonder sometimes if in the wedding industry, we see other people kind of talking about like, oh God, I'm in my busy season. And we think that's something we have to like aspire to versus radically reimagining how to build something that works for the client as well as for the owner. Um, I remember the transition period from wedding planner to rest coach was so fascinating. And this, this is like, this, this could be a whole other podcast episode. If you ever, ever want to dip into that about transitioning, you know, into something, into like another space. But I had clients from 2020 who postponed into 2021, right? And it was like, okay, we get to 2021. And I think that was like the Delta variant. And so it was only a hand, it was like three, three clients. And I was like, okay, we postponed into 2022. And the conversation was already like, this is it. It's happening or it's just not happening with me because I can't do this anymore. But um, I definitely think there are so many conversations that needed to be had about like what about capacity, about expectations, about um, sustainability for the client themselves, because there's a lot of anxiety for for pandemic couples, but also um, for the vendor team. There's so many changes with vendors. There's so many changes in me right? Like we all shifted so much, but I think that's just another point about sustainability and capacity is that it's not just, we can only control so much of what we can control, right? But there are so many external factors that influence your capacity, that influence um, your ability to sustain certain things, certain seasons, certain clients. And it's so important to consider that comprehensively versus being like running into the year, especially this time of year when everybody's planning for the next year. Oh, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, as if you're not going to get sick or there's not going to be a family emergency or something's going to happen at the house and you need to call the plumber. Like it's important to build space and intention in your planning, in your, in your client work, in your personal life so that there's space for things to just happen and for you not to feel like frenzied. Yeah. I always say to my clients, like you have to leave space for the magic. Like I had some clients who <laughs> they, um, they were like kind of freaking out cause they, they weren't sure like if they were going to book more weddings for the fall. And I was like, okay, go work on something else. Like go find something else to like put your energy towards the clients are coming. Like you've raised your prices, you've gotten visible, you've done all the things, you've been working on your energy. Like those clients are coming. Just trust that they are coming over here. I want you working on something that like brings you joy and brings you creative space. And it's so funny because like now, like those clients like have, you know, they, they got all the inquiries that they wanted. They booked a whole bunch of like amazing clients. And it's just like thinking about um, just like leaving space for the magic to happen. Cause if you filled all of your time because you're worried that it's not gonna fill. There's, there's no space for the magic. It's just, there's none of it. <laughs> one of my favorite things um, that was told to me by my, my, one of my friends here, um, and we're very like woo-woo. So we talk about stuff like this all the time. But anytime 
that you're worried about something like not showing up in your life. She's like, clean, get rid of something, let something go, but like get your, get your affairs mentally and physically in order so that you are, like you just said, you are creating space. You are literally inviting that thing that you want in without like harping on it, without, um, trying to control it without just overthinking about it and kind of creating distance in a way because you want it so badly. But I just love that because like make space for that magic. Clean up your desk (laughs) to get rid of some shoes that you're not wearing anymore. You know, just let some things go so that you can let the things you want in. I regularly have a lot of very woo-woo conversations with my clients. And like, usually when they're like agitated, I'm like, just go clean out your wallet, go clean out your car, go clean out your, like clean off your desk, like make energetic space for like the universe to fill it with something cool. And it always works. Every time they come back, they're like, oh, I just found $1,400 or whatever. Like they found. And I'm just like, yes, yes, you did. Of course you did. (laughs) Gotta make space is such an interesting word. I think we, we use it a lot. Um, but space is such a critical and interesting word because that's, that's really what it is. That's really the conversation about rest, capacity, labor, micro breaks, boundaries, like all this stuff, making these shifts in your business and in your life. It's really about giving yourself space. Can you just give yourself space? Yeah. And to a lot of creatives, that's going to feel incredibly unsafe because if you have space, you have space to process your emotions. And if you have to process your emotions then you got to feel your emotions. And if you are used to numbing out and you're not used to like feeling the full spectrum of your emotions, that's going to feel really unsafe. And that's where I really, really trust that you guys are going to find some kind of mentorship or some kind of like safe space for as that happens. Because I notice with my clients, like they'll come into success accelerator program and like, we'll start making more space in their business. And then things will start coming up and I'm like, great, let's process this. Great. Let's like, Mm -hmm. you know, shift this subconscious block or whatever it is. And that's when they start to see like huge, huge change because they made space in their life. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, Like this got filled with something way better and I'm no longer Mm -hmm. worried about all these other things. A large majority of my clients, it's either our therapists themselves who have their own private practice, which I I love and feels incredibly affirming um, or their therapists and big sisters. They're the oldest sister in their family, which I find endlessly fascinating as a baby sister in mine. Um, where they're used to just like carrying a lot. And like you said, giving like first thing in the morning. And so when it's, when we get down to how to build boundaries in your business, how to take better breaks, like all those types of things, giving you space, that, that hesitation and that fear that, oh my gosh, if I let go of this entire world is going to crumble. No, it's not. It's not. And knowing that you have the support, I think that's the beauty of being a coach is that support that you provide of like, I cannot make you cross the river, but I'll be here to receive you when you do. Um, And I just think, yeah, this is really a a beautiful, a beautiful thing, but I, I definitely get that where it's just kind of like you're making space and it can feel uncomfortable and unsafe 
but with tools, especially therapy, um, with tools, you will see that space is not the enemy. Yeah, space is where the magic happens. So I think this perfectly leads into kind of our last little conversation that I wanted to bring to the table today, which is a lot more practical. I want to make sure that any wedding professional or creative who's listening to this like can take away some practical things. Specifically, I want to talk about what are some ways that wedding professionals and creatives could experience rest on a wedding day or when they are like in the midst of a project. We can specifically talk about wedding days because I think a lot of my audience is going to be wedding professionals. But are there any tips or exercises that they can do on a wedding day to help them create rest or help them create space? Absolutely. First, I'm going to do wedding day and then I'm going to kind of do like wedding process, if you will. Um, the first thing that I would do is, especially if you're building the timeline, <laughs> if you're the planner and you're building the timeline, uh, build one for you around this so that like the sleep that you get the day before the, the leading into your wedding day, usually the day before you have rehearsal, if you're a wedding planner, that's the perspective I'm going to speak to. So please adjust as needed. Um, the week of the wedding the way that you change your shift your schedule so that I would shift to half days so that I'm available to the client if they need something from me, but I'm also not doing too much. I'm not going too many places. I'm not putting extra things on, on my calendar so that I feel like I can exhale when I arrive the day of, I'm making sure that I'm getting a good night's sleep as best I can. And then the day of, I would like to start the morning obviously get there before everybody else, but start the morning with some intentional time to just slowly edge into the day. And then looking at time where I'm away from the client during, uh, during the wedding. So maybe they're getting ready. Maybe they're taking pictures with their photographer. I'm giving myself time to stretch. I'm giving myself time to take a break. Um, (laughs) Maybe scream <laughs> if necessary just to get it out of my system because you know just find a closet and scream yeah. as loud as you can. Why not? You know, different personalities sometimes can be agitating. So, like whatever you need to just get that funk off of you. Um, but finding those micro moments of the day. If you're a photographer, obviously you're on, you're catching those really special moments, but when you have dinner, if you're taking a snack break, if you've transitioned the client out after the getting ready photos, can you give yourself a small, like five minutes, 10 minutes, to just take a break. So looking within the timeline, looking within the day, and you know your flow at this point of how it, it works for you, um, where you can put those micro breaks and also be incredibly resourced in that you have people there to support you. I wish I would have done this earlier in my wedding business where I was like, it's all on me. I have to do everything. No, you don't. Um, if you, even if it's just a, a backup shooter, if you're a photographer, if it's just one assistant, if you're a wedding planner, but especially if you're moving into this luxury space, give yourself the luxury of having a team and delegating things out. That is the greatest, most practical way to build space for rest in your day is when you have people that you feel safe with and you trust to delegate and they run with it. 
So that way they're not burning themselves out. You're not burning yourself out and you can kind of be each other's relief as needed. But I would definitely look at your timeline for micro breaks, have people with you, have a team around you, even if it's a small one, even if it's just one extra person. And then also give yourself something to look forward to. Yes, you are helping your clients and their uh, guests celebrate. How are you celebrating after this? And one of my favorite things was to always get a hotel room that had like a huge bath so I could just soak after. <laughs> but yeah, those are the three things I would suggest. I love that. I have very similar things from like the photographer's perspective. Like this is kind of a funny one because like, I don't know, I guess like most people don't think about this, but when I think about things that wedding professionals can do on a wedding day to help them with rest, the very first thing I think about is like body first. I'm going to take care of my body first, which means getting 20 to 30 grams of protein first thing in the morning before I have coffee. And before I like, you know, have the jitters of coffee, I'm going to have 20 to 30 grams of protein first. And I noticed for myself anyway, this helps so much with my mental clarity. And why would you not want to put yourself in a space of mental clarity for a wedding day? If you have caffeine on an empty stomach, it's going to mess with your hormones and your cortisol. If you don't know that, you can go look into it. What I'm going to recommend is 20 to 30 grams of protein for your breakfast. And this can look like eggs. It can look like toast. It could look like, um, you know, yogurt. There's a ton of different ways to get that amount of protein, but it's going to help so much with your mental clarity. So that's the very first thing I would say is take care of your body first, and then you're going to take care of your mind. So before our wedding day, we love to listen to like a podcast, just like this one, like where it's a very like positive podcast that's going to get you in the right headspace. Um, you can also listen to like my clients. I have um, inside of SAP, I have like meditations for them. And they're like little like three to five minute meditations that they can listen to on the drive, like to their wedding day or while they're sitting in the car getting their gear. And it just puts you in such a better headspace to be able to give from this space of I am here to do good in the world rather than I'm so annoyed that I had to take a back road and, you know, <laughs> the clients are standing outside with a beer and like their dresses are like, you know, super like messy or whatever. It's like, no, I want to start my day from a space where I am grounded. I'm not going to rely on other people to make me grounded. And the final like thing that if you're someone who struggles with anxiety, like high hands up, like. I feel you on that. Um, there's actually different like somatic tools that you can use on a wedding day to help you regulate your nervous system and help you kind of navigate those things. And one of those tools is going to be putting cold water on your wrist. So if it's a wedding day, it's really stressful or something's going on where you're just feeling kind of overwhelmed, you could feel the anxiety in your body because also you <laughs> anxiety is a physical response. You should be able to pinpoint where you feel it. Anxiety is not, it's not up here. It's like in your body itself. So if you can shock the nervous system with cold water, it's going to give you time to kind of like re-regulate and get back into like a more like grounded state. Um, so if you're feeling anxiety on a wedding day, that's one of the things I recommend. Another thing I recommend if you're feeling just kind of like not grounded on a wedding day is box breathing. So it's breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four. And it's it should make like a little box. Like that's how it was explained to me. Um, and the final thing to kind of help you like just on a wedding day to like experience rest and presencing and grounding is called orienting. So orienting is essentially looking around you and looking for different things that like tell your body and your mind that you're safe. There's a roof above my head. I am safe. 
there's a wall right there. I am safe. I can feel my feet on the ground. I am safe. And this active presencing is going to take you out of anxiety and it's going to take you out of the future and the past and put you in the present moment. So those are kind of the things that I generally recommend for my clients. I love all of those suggestions. I just love the body first. Um, Especially when you're a vendor, it's so when you're providing support for someone else, it's so easy to just skip yourself. And I just love the way that you said the body first. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. Um, and I would also add if you're, you talked about feeling anxious when you get there or, you know, driving up and being annoyed at the clients for just doing whatever. If you're feeling resentment, resentment is in a, a feeling that we, we work with a lot. Um, in my coaching, if you're feeling resentment, that's usually a sign where you feel resentment is usually a sign of what boundary you have not communicated yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's such a great uh, thing to point out. And I, I notice a lot of wedding professionals, like they will outwardly say like, I'm resenting my client or resenting that I took on something, but resentment is like almost like this mirror of anger at yourself. I am angry that I didn't like honor myself in this moment or honor my own boundary. So like, watch out for that one. I want to give a brief example of this early on in my wedding planning career. Uh, I was doing a, an event at like a private ranch I'm here in Texas. If you couldn't tell by my accent uh, at a private ranch. And I remember we had gone back and forth. The couple and I had gone back and forth on this like outdoor, like one of the nicer outdoor like toilets, right? Cause it's mainly all going to be outside. They didn't want people going in the house. And I, I knew the budget for the event. I knew how much everything cost. And I remember the team bringing the toilet out and it was gorgeous. It was air conditioned. It had wood floors, just pretty art in there. It was just so nice. And I remember staring at it and being like, I know that they paid more for this toilet than they paid me. Oh my gosh. And I, and I was just, yeah, it was one of those moments where I was like, something's rotten in the state of Denmark. And it wasn't anything like you said, it wasn't the resentment that you're feeling is really you just trying to avoid the accountability of yourself, right? Of just being like, I was the one who told him what the price was. Yeah, it's almost like them. It's almost like it just kind of like, it's like this moment of seeing something that you are like, oh, wait, this is something I want to change. And in that moment, deciding whether or not you're actually going to change it in the future. I said that so perfectly. Usually when that resentment comes up, it's because like, oh, I'm not actually ready to change it though. I'm just going to be mad at the client. It's their fault. No, it's not. You set the price. Yeah. You set the price or you set the condition or, or agree to a condition um, before you really thought about it. You said yes when you really wanted to say no, you know? So I just, I think when you feel that resentment, whether you're in your busy season, whether it's on the wedding day or whatever it may be, look at that resentment as a clarifier of what boundaries you're not communicating. What did you not say that needed to be said? Yeah. If you're ever feeling like anger or resentment and the, like, you know, there's an entire emotional guidance scale. Like there's a very lo- like, like long list of like uh, different emotions you could be feeling. If you're feeling anything like that, it gets to be this moment of choice. 
I'm feeling this feeling. I can pinpoint where I can feel it in my body. It's not just a mind thing. I'm not just like angry, quote unquote. I can feel it like in my chest or I can feel it wherever. Okay, this is my mind telling me something that is not something that it wants to continue doing. And, you know, you and I are both like huge advocates of therapy. Like there are some things that I've worked through in therapy that I was like, oh, oh, why was I okay with that? And now I look back and I'm like, well, I wasn't listening or honoring myself when I was angry. And I couldn't pinpoint what anger was until I started to fully give myself space to process my emotions and fully give myself space to actually be like able to have the emotional intelligence to name whatever the emotion was and then make the decisions from there. Beautifully put. I think so much of, I think it comes in different words, right? The one I landed on for myself was rest. For myself and for my clients was rest. But I think this thing that we're talking about, presencing, uh, stilling the mind, being in your body, creating safety, creating space, boundaries, all of it comes down to giving yourself the space to live and to live well, right? It all comes down to that. And I just, I so appreciate being able to have conversations with you about these things because it's something that I feel like in larger, on a larger scale, people are talking around, but not enough people are really talking about. And so, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I want to invite people just like you onto this podcast, because these conversations are life-changing. If you've never heard somebody talk about rest or honoring yourself or emotional intelligence or boundaries in the way that we're speaking about it, this could truly be the moment that everything shifts for you. And if you want to continue to have these types of conversations, that's exactly what our coaching spaces are. That's what Jordan's coaching spaces. That's what mine is as well, is deeper conversations around these topics. And what I love so much about the coaching industry is that you really can have these deeper conversations and actually see like real change, like through the coaching containers that you're in versus just like being in a free accountability group talking about like, I'm so burnt out. Cool. What are you doing about it? I'm maybe I'm in my luteal phase. I don't know because I'm I'm just tearing up thinking about it. But like what you said, get to witness transformation in people, and also be impacted by it and have it further continue our own transformation. But there's just something so beautiful about seeing people decide, and I say this in you know during like my consultations too. I used to have a lot of fear about my price points because I thought like, oh, I needed to prove my value. But if I, you know, if I'm watching them and maybe they're like, they do a little bit of this or oh, like or something like that, I always remind them that this is an investment in you. I'm here to support your transformation. And so whatever, whatever avenue that looks like for you, stepping away from just saying, and I hate when they say it's accountability groups, because it's really kind of like more commiseration groups, <laughs> right? Okay. On that note, like one of my favorite quotes from one of the therapists that I like interact with, he says that commiseration is cheap intimacy. 
people people conflate commiseration with community all the time, all the time. And it's easy to, but like, you're just kind of, you're kind of just talking into a void about the problem without actually acting on it. And so I just definitely think that like you get to this place when you're like, I, I think of myself going to my first coach and being like, I know I'm ready for something. I don't know what comes on the other side of this, but I'm willing, maybe not ready. I know I'm willing to act on it. And I think if you're willing to act on uh, a change of, of pricing, a change of process, a change of client, even, I think there's something really, really beautiful about opening yourself up to that and having these greater conversations around capacity, rest, space, all those things. I totally agree. And I have very similar experiences with some of my first coaching spaces. Like I didn't know what I didn't know, but now being on the other side, having been in coaching spaces for quite a while at this point, I look back and I'm like, man, I didn't know that you could live at this frequency of life. I didn't know you could live at like this level of like peace of mind. Like, I just didn't know that like you could actually experience peace. And I was like, oh, like that's what that feels like. Because if you're in like fight or flight or you're in like, uh, you know, they call it lack mentality or scarcity mentality. If you're in that like feeling and that space, you don't know what you don't know because you don't know what it actually feels like. And so like, you know, what I love about coaching is that it kind of gets to be the space to practice getting to peace and practice getting to living your life on your terms and honoring yourself like along the journey. So I want to, I love give, giving visualizations of things. I don't know why, but I just really do. So I did this uh, 5k in September, right? And I walked it. I didn't run it. And I knew like people were going to go ahead of me. That's fine. But at one point it got lost. Like the person who's supposed to be like back with the the end of the group, like went in one direction and I didn't see where the direction was. So I got lost and the sun is setting and it's dark. And all I have is like the flashlight on my phone. And bring that up because I was in pitch black dark. I mean, there was just no light out there. It was just my like, just keep walking, just keep walking. And it reminded me when you were just talking about being like, essentially a demonstration, an example for our clients. It reminded me of, of that is sometimes you are stepping um, forward without really being able to see where you're going, but you know where you're going. And I just think that's such a beautiful example of, of the coaching process is like, you just have to be willing to show up and yeah, you might be in the dark, but there's somebody there with you and you will get to the place that you want to be. Yeah. And hopefully your pacer won't go off a different direction than you. <laughs> and towards the end, the part that made me laugh because I pulled up Google Maps. I was like, this is the trail. If I walk this trail, I should get back to where we were and I'll be fine. And it was the funniest thing because uh, I did. But when I rounded this corner, I did an extra half mile, by the way, when I rounded this corner, I see the pacer again and he's like, oh my God, we were looking for you. We did not know where you went. <laughs> I was just kind of like, okay, cool. And you guided me back to the finish line, but it was just, I just, I just thought about that. I'm just like, I was in the dark, but man, my pace was great. My pace was the fastest. I did a faster 5k in the pitch in pitch black darkness than I had when I had practiced like leading up to it. 
That's amazing. I am. Um, I'm running my very first half marathon in about a week from now. So I'll definitely have a podcast episode about that. But what you just said about like being in the pitch black and just like not really knowing where you're going, but knowing that like there's somebody on the other side, like when I get to that, you know, finish line, like there's going to be somebody waiting for me there. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Jordan, this has been an incredible conversation. I feel like we've covered so much ground, but I also feel like there's so many good takeaways from like today's podcast episode. I would love for you to share. Do you have any spaces for people to find you? Like, do you have any um, memberships or coaching spaces? And I'd love to hear more about what that looks like for you. Absolutely. First, thank you so much for having me. Every conversation we have feels like no time has passed at all. Every single one. (laughs) Right. <laughs> I, feel, I feel so rested and I come back from it and I'm like, clearly we were only talking for 20 minutes. But um, what I have to offer is called the Radical Joy Collab. And it is a hybrid coaching program where you get one-to-one coaching sessions with me, but also support sessions, um, a quarterly retreat, virtual retreat with other coaching clients and some other goodies um, that I would love to bring you into. Um, and that's my main signature offer for right now. If you want more rest content, please follow me on social media at the Jordan Maney on Instagram, YouTube. I think the only one that's different is LinkedIn. It's just Jordan Maney on LinkedIn. Um, but you can find me there. You can also find uh, more about me on my website, jordanmaney.com, M-A-N-E-Y. And yeah, I just look forward. I love having conversations with people about rest. So get in my DMs and I promise we'll have a good time. And you guys can find all of her information in the show notes today. Jordan, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time with me today. This has been so beautiful. And I am so excited for the next time that we get to talk because I have an idea for what we're going to talk about. But Listeners, thank you guys so much for being here today. We love you all. We're so grateful that you tuned into today's podcast episode. If you loved this, like please share it on social media and tag us. We would love to see your thoughts on this episode. Until next time, thank you for being here today. Thank you.